0: Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit Stripe.com slash Tap iPhone.
1: Coming up on DTNS, Oracle pulls a Chinese government move on TikTok. Facebook crosses a Rubicon, or maybe it's a Volga. In this case... And Patrick Norton lets us know if it's time to try buying a GPU again. This is the Daily Tech News for Friday, March 11th, 2022, in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt.
2: And from Studio Redwood, I'm Sarah Lane.
3: Somewhere in St. Louis, I'm Patrick Norton. And I'm Roger Cheng, the show's producer.
1: There is a longer version of the show called Good Day Internet that's flipping up. Its format starting Monday. If you'd like to get DTNS and more, subscribe to it. Patreon.com slash DTNS.
2: Also, big thanks to our top patrons. Today they include Tim Ashman, Johnny Hernandez, and High Tech Oki.
1: Let's start with a few tech things you should know.
2: The Financial Conduct Authority, or FCA, is warning cryptocurrency ATM operators in the UK to shut down. The FCA says that the crypto firms who've registered with it haven't been granted permission to operate ATM services and as a result, operating crypto ATMs is illegal. The Telegraph reports that there are around 81 functional crypto ATMs in Britain, at least at this time, based on data from the Coin ATM radar tracker, the majority of which are in supermarkets and convenience stores.
1: Meta announced Code Verify. It's a Chrome browser extension that verifies the content of WhatsApp's web app. Uh, to make sure it hasn't been tampered with. It's not an unusual situation. It just hadn't been applied to WhatsApp before. So they're, they're using it. It works by automatically comparing a hash of code in the browser with a hash held by Cloudflare. So pretty simple. The extension doesn't read messages. No data is sent to Cloudflare. No data is sent to Meta. Uh, it's just making sure that your extension hasn't been tampered with. A Firefox version of the extension is coming soon
2: regulators in the eu and uk have opened an antitrust probe into google's agreements with facebook now meta over online advertising u.s regulators are all inv- also investigating the agreements google and facebook reached agreements on minimum and maximum bids which aren't unusual in the advertising space however the concern is that the relative dominance of the two companies means that the agreements had an outsized and anti-competitive effect On the overall advertising market.
1: The Reserve Bank of India has blocked Paytm from signing up new customers pending an audit of its IT systems. Uh, Paytm is one of the biggest online payment systems in India, so it's kind of a big deal. It will continue to be able to process transactions while the audit is conducted, just can't sign up new folks.
2: In a final ruling issued on Thursday, U.S. regulators eliminated the need for automated vehicle manufacturers to build fully autonomous vehicles with manual driving controls designed to meet crash standards. Back in February, just last month, General Motors and its self-driving unit, crews asked the U.S. National Highway Traffic and Safety Administration for permission to build and also deploy a self-driving vehicle without human controls, without an ability for a human to even get in there later if necessary. Steering wheels, brake pedals, that's the sort of thing a human would need. Of note, the NHSTA's rule says that children shouldn't occupy the traditional driver's seat, given that the driver's seating position hasn't been designed to protect children in a crash. But if a child were to be in that seat, the car would not immediately be required to cease motion.
1: Yeah. So slowly catching up with the regulations. All right. Uh, that's a big step for autonomous cars, though, is, is the ability to, to not have to put in stuff it doesn't need to have in there if it gets to a fully autonomous level five kind of situation. All right, let's talk a little bit more about this is going to be like a retro story going going back to to TikTok and the the Committee on Foreign Investment. Tell us all about it, Sarah.
2: Let's harken back to 2020. Remember that great year? Wow. So many great things happened uh, uh, among numbers. them. The U.S. government threatened to make ByteDance sell its U.S. TikTok operations and companies like Microsoft and Oracle angled to get a piece. China made moves to stop that, and a new U.S. president did not continue that push. But the Committee on Foreign Investment in the U.S. did formally order ByteDance to divest itself of U.S. operations. ByteDance successfully obtained a preliminary injunction to stop a sale, and the story kind of faded away from public view. We were, we had other things to think about. But the deal-making kept going. It's been going on behind the scenes, and it looks like a settlement may have been achieved. Reuters sources say that Oracle will get a contract to manage U.S. user data for TikTok. So this isn't a sale. It's a agreement. It's a partnership. It's contract, Buzzfeed, yeah. BuzzFeed says seven current and former TikTok employees said the so-called Project Texas, as it is known internally, at least uh, according to some people, has been ongoing for months. Right now, in the U.S., TikTok data is hosted somewhere in the U.S. or in Singapore. None of it is hosted in China. However, that may be changing. Oracle is reportedly cloning some TikTok systems, like tracking and analytics tools, the kinds of things that report content vitality and how well the algorithm is doing. All U.S. data would be hosted in the U.S., and processed by Oracle. That is part of the agreement, at least as it stands right now. And tools would be maintained by a new U.S.-based team called U.S. Tech Services. That team would report to middle managers at TikTok in the U.S. who report to ByteDance execs in China. Two people told BuzzFeed they're looking at ways to legally restrict the Chinese executives from having access to U.S. tech services for information. This is similar to what a lot of U.S. companies do in China currently, where they operate cloud services, but the data for the services is maintained by a Chinese company. Microsoft's operations in China go through 21 Vianet, and Amazon works with uh, NingCS, uh, Western Cloud Data Technology, and also Sinet.
1: Yeah, so uh, first of all, if, if you thought uh, that that was all just a... a, a I don't know, some kind of fake thing. Uh when you get the committee Super on foreign rough. investment in the US to investigate something, they investigate it and they keep investigating it till they're satisfied, uh one way or the other. And they have mm. been continuing to investigate it. Uh you know, the hot buzzy news went other places, but the the committee kept doing the work that it was ordered to do and they weren't ordered to stop. Uh so they came up with this and I remember Maybe I'm remembering the way I want to remember, but I remember back when this story was new saying, I doubt they're going to make TikTok sell part of itself, but I could see them coming to an arrangement that China has where China makes the local data be held by a local company. And it looks like that's what's actually going to happen. Oracle is going to be the provider of that data here uh, in this case, but it'll be very similar to what China does. And so China will have less of a of a leg to stand on in objecting to it.
2: I got to say, I, I really thought the Oracle deal was dead. Um, and that just goes to show you how much goes on behind the scenes uh, when we all pay attention to the other shiny yeah. thing.
1: Just because you're not hearing everyone scream about something doesn't mean it has stopped.
3: We were distracted for what that's worth.
1: I mean, we also also we can't keep track of every single thing that's happening in the world. Right. People sort of pretend like you can know everything. And if you haven't heard about it, it must not be happening. And it's like absolutely impossible for that to be true.
3: I think you can't. I don't know about the rest of us, Tom.
1: No, I don't. Even I can't. Even I.
3: Uh, (laughs) Nobody can. Come on. If uh,
1: Tom
2: can't, no one can.
1: I will try, though, even if I can't. Uh, And here's an example. Uh, Lots of news related to Russia to round up for you today. Uh, We'll start with the briefer things and get to the more, uh, more complex things. The National Computer Network Emergency Response Technical Team Coordination Center of China says that IP addresses that appear to be coming from the United States, Germany, and the Netherlands, mostly from the U.S., though, have been taking control of computers in China in order to launch attacks on Internet targets in Russia, Belarus, and Ukraine. If you're like, that sounds familiar, usually the story goes the other direction. That Mm -hmm. You're usually hearing someone accuse... Russia, of hijacking computers in China and using China Chinese IP addresses to launch an attack on the US. So uh, China's saying it's going the other direction now. Uh, also, we've noted before on the show that about 50% of the world's neon gas used for chip lithography is refined in Odessa, Ukraine, and apparently in Mariupol, uh, too, which is being heavily bombarded. Reuters uh, says that Ukraine's neon refinement... Has halted. They have confirmed it with both of the companies that do it. It may be difficult for those companies to reopen later uh, because machines might get damaged. Uh, they even if the machines aren't damaged by bombing, they may not be able to get the raw materials since ninety percent of the world's neon gas is a byproduct of steel manufacturing in Russia. Uh, the largest right. chip makers do say that they have secured their own neon supplies for now. But smaller chip makers may run into shortages now that these, these refineries have been shut down for a while. Reserve supply estimates vary from a few months to a year, but it could take nine months to two years for alternative suppliers to get up and running and fill the gap. So the most optimistic scenario is you fill that gap you know, right at the time you need it, but that may not happen. Also, in 12 Eastern European countries, Meta's Facebook and Instagram are allowing a spirit of the policy, in their words, exemption to hate speech rules. Uh, This relates to uh, the posts uh, that object to, uh, or, or that if the object of the post is a Russian soldier, uh, someone who is not a prisoner of war. They say if it's a prisoner of war, it's a different matter. But if you're talking about Russian soldiers, we assume you mean the Russian military. And if your post is clearly related to the war in Ukraine, then we won't bring the hammer down. The policy will continue to prohibit hate speech against ordinary Russian citizens, however. And this is getting lost in a lot of the rhetoric around this. The exemptions are only allowed in these countries. Armenia? Azerbaijan, Estonia, Georgia, Hungary, Latvia, Lithuania, Poland, Romania, Russia, Slovakia, and Ukraine. In other words, countries bordering Ukraine. A meta-spokesperson told Reuters it will also make an exemption to allow praise of a hate group, uh, an extremist militia in eastern Ukraine. Uh, And the Meta spokesperson said, quote, strictly in the context of defending Ukraine or in their role as part of the Ukraine National Guard. In other words, again, they're not encouraging those posts. They're saying when we see that, if it's defending Ukraine or as part of the Ukraine National Guard, we won't remove the post at that point. We'll leave it where it is. In response to all of that, Russian prosecutors asked a court to designate Meta as an extremist organization itself and prohibit its activities in Russia. Russia's communications regulator also announced it will issue a block on Instagram. They're giving folks 48 hours, so March 14th, uh, to get time to get your photos off the platform if you're in Russia. Facebook had already been restricted in Russia, so Instagram joins that. No action is contemplated against WhatsApp because they say that is mostly a messaging app, whereas Facebook is a platform. Instagram as a platform. Uh, Facebook has seven and a half million Russian users. Instagram, if you're wondering like, why didn't they just block Instagram at the beginning? Instagram has 50.8 million Russian users. And WhatsApp, interestingly, has 67 million Russian users.
2: You know, of all of the... uh all the information in this story, um, what caught my eye, at least at first, as I was trying to make sense of it, was, wow, okay, Russia, uh, uh, Russian Facebook users, 7.5 million, not a lot of, you know, considering the size of the country. Instagram, 50.8 million. WhatsApp, the most, was 67 million. And the fact that WhatsApp is, at least at this point of this recording, uh, not uh, being, you um, I don't know. Blocked. Uh technically shuttered, right? The way that the others are um is 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 sort of telling because that's what most people are using.
1: Well, and and Patrick, we can't hear you right now. I don't know if you muted yourself, but uh but yeah, we're you're talking about WhatsApp is end-to-end encrypted too. So there's there's less of an ability to control the message on WhatsApp.
3: Go ahead, Patrick. I was going to say for a lot of people, uh, outside of the U S WhatsApp is this primary, it's what they use instead of texting, um, in a lot of cases. And, uh, uh, I can see that creating as many problems for them internally as it would, you know what I mean? I I think they lose more by shutting it down than they gain by shutting it down. But the thing with Facebook slash meta is, you know, it just, it's, it's, it's so a part of everything else they've been doing. It's just, I don't know. I I,
1: I think, uh, I think that. A lot of people will look at this and have an opinion on whether this or that message should or should not be allowed. Uh, I would encourage you when thinking about this to, to separate yourself from that and say, well, what if it wasn't Russia? What if it wasn't Ukraine? Uh, you know, what if it was Yemen? Uh, what if it was uh, the Tigray region? What if, what if it was Mali? What if it was one of these other wars? Uh, why isn't Facebook coming in and saying, well, in this case, it's okay to criticize the Saudi military or it's okay to criticize the Yemen revolutionary guard uh it does feel a little bit like they are making it up as they go along
3: well i mean for them to actually announce a policy beforehand seems kind of unusual for meta uh and two you know it's never too late to virtue signal when you've made a name change in an effort to rebrand your organization to make it more palatable to any of a number of investigations and or futures (laughs) you know i I don't want to i don't want to be cruel to facebook i mean yeah. meta um but <laughs> uh, you know it's it's a it's a it's a it's an it's an interesting move for them yeah. you know i wonder if they'll remember to change their policies when this if and when this thing winds itself up um
2: <laughs> if you saw um th- there was for some reason i can't pull it up right now. Um, I'm not sure if, if it's been taken down, but there was an original Reuters story about the spirit of the policy exemption that you had, had laid out uh, a couple of minutes ago, Tom, as it relates to hate speech rules and what is allowed in the context of the war, depending on where you live um, and what platform you're using. And that caused... A ton of confusion, Um, you know, even among a lot of journalists that I like and respect, who are, you know, trying to figure out, okay, at this point, you know, what what is responsible reporting in the sense of this is the tweet that a respected news organization, uh, you know, has laid out that could be construed in a way that isn't necessarily what the story is.
1: Yeah, and I. I... I think it you can you can overreact to this uh, because it is limited to certain countries it is limited to military action and I and there's it's understandable that you know tempers are running high but it is also one sided and it also isn't following a clearly established previous principle, uh, as far as I can tell. One more wrinkle that that uh, is related to the, the war in Ukraine uh, that might have some long-term effects on how the internet works. Russian websites can often not renew their existing TLS certificates right now because sanctions prevent payment processing. And that means no HTTPS. And if you don't have HTTPS these days, that means your browser is likely to warn you, even if that site is a totally legitimate site. Uh, Russia's Ministry of Digital Development is offering free TLS certificates uh, to things like the Bank of Russia, uh, et cetera. However, for a certificate authority to be set up and respected and has to be trusted by the browsers, so so far, only the Yandex browser and some Atom products are recognizing these new Russian certificates. You can manually add that certificate authority to Chrome and Firefox uh, if you trust the provider. That is until that provider is actively blocked as part of the certificate revocation list. Now, right now, this certificate is not, so you could add it if you want. Uh, So there's two questions. One is if the browser makers will add this to their CA list so that you don't have to Or will they discover that this certificate authority is intercepting traffic, as some people suspect might be the case, uh, in which case they would add it to the revocation list, uh, further causing the splinternet, uh, as they call it. So one to file away in the back of your mind for a future day. If you see a story about Russian websites uh, being pushed off the Internet or something, if you see certificate authorities come up, it'll be useful to know about this. Hey, if you have a thought about something on the show uh, and you want to send us an email, it might be handy to have our email address. So here it is, feedback at dailytechnewshow.com. Send us an email, please.
0: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. Visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.
1: Last week, TechRadar's Alex Whitelock uh, published a story on TechRadar.com about falling GPU prices. He said at the time that the trend was looking good, but we still had a ways to go. Patrick's been looking at this himself, uh, digging into the numbers, and has some information for folks wondering (laughs) when it's going to be safe to try to buy a GPU again. What have you found, Patrick?
3: Oh my goodness! So, uh, one props to to Alex Whitelock and uh, Tech Radar reader Ted. Uh, the reader actually has been tracking GPU prices, and the chart that was posted goes from uh, November twenty one, and then the peak at, of course, right around Christmas of twenty one, and then you just watch this, and the max price on on like a thirty ninety was three thousand and twenty four dollars. Uh, right before uh in, in that christmas shopping holiday madness yeah,
1: christmas in frenzy yeah yeah
3: christmas frenzy and in, as of uh, the middle of february in 2022 it was down to 2362 which is still more than i ever planned to play for an entire gaming machine so the prices are down right um and part of this is, is, is it's, Tom and I were talking about this the other day, I talked to a friend of mine who's, who's deep in the mining community, I talked to other, uh, a couple other people, like the biggest thing is probably um, Ethereum switching to proof of stake. Which means, you know, when people buy a GPU to Bitcoin mine, they, they expect to make a certain amount of money off of it. And the ability to, to essentially make money mining Ethereum off of cards is is just basically going to end in yeah. the non future. Because proof of so, work
1: means your computer is putting in the work to crunch numbers. Proof of stake is like, we're just going to use what you've got. So you don't have yeah. to run that <laughs> GPU hot. Yeah.
3: Yeah, so, you know, the GPUs, I mean, you know, it it could be a great time to use a GPU in the none too distant future. So it feels like the supply chain is actually catching up. Um, That's good. And, you know, kind of the TLDR on this is you can buy cards right now, which is weird. Uh, You know, for like the first time in 18 months, I think I can buy almost any GPU I want from AMD or NVIDIA, right? And of course, we also should point out that that Intel is going to be coming online later this year with their discrete GPUs, right? Uh, There are tons of cards in stock at Newegg being sold and shipped by Newegg. Uh, Micro Center has cards in stock. Uh, Not I'm waiting at 9 a.m. on Tuesday or Thursday or Friday when the truck shows up and I see what shows up on the truck. But literally, I can't buy it online, but I can see that they have in some cases, dozens of cards in particular models in stock. I haven't seen that in forever. Um, you know, it's it's a little crazy to see. They are still painfully expensive, mm. um, which is yeah, a big deal. The you know, The $249 price for that RTX 3050, definitely a fantasy. I'm seeing 420 to $490 for those the not-so-beloved AMD 6500 XT, uh, you know, I've seen it as low as, like, $230 on its $199 MSRP. That's so if you're desperate... almost
1: acceptable. Like, we're, almost. We're, in, we're in shouting distance of, like, okay, fine, I'll pay a little premium to get it. Yeah.
3: I, I'm going to call that a 10% VIG on a card at this point is more than acceptable. Yeah, I can deal yeah. with a 10% VIG. Um, so eBay listings for, uh, I'm going to use scare quotes here, uh, new and unopened box uh, are, are lower than new egg for example on thirty-eighties, 80s oh, wow. uh, or some amazons you know i'm not going to be as patient as uh, alec whitelock's reader and tracking the number or the numbers on the auctions but of course it also varies on auctions and what time the auction ends and fear of missing out and whatever announcement gets made in the next couple of weeks and there are a lot of weird things going out there um if you start shopping around, you'll probably see RTX 3050s, RTX 2060s, and GTX 1660s all in the same 430 to 490 dollar price range, which is weird because these are three completely different generations of cards. <laughs> and uh, the 2060, you know, if you're looking at raw gaming performance, is as much as 20 percent faster for 1080p gaming. Uh, it's got a healthy 15, 17 percent lead in frame rates at 1440p gaming. So, you know, I'm not saying buy one you know i'm not saying buy one now but boy you know take a look at the numbers that are available for the cards that are shipping and it's just a really weird collection of cards um you know so you know, I, I laugh because somebody's like, You should get a thirty fifty. I'm like, I have a ten eighty TI. I have to get at least a thirty eighty TI to have comparable gaming performance. And again, <laughs> I'm not spending. I, I paid more for at least one of the cars I've bought in the last ten years. Right. Or for <laughs> less for at least one of the cars I bought in the last ten years than that card and uh, would cost me right now. So um you know and as you mentioned earlier things are going to get really interesting in the next year as far as chip production because all of the neon that was coming out of ukraine has suddenly ended you know i'm going to keep my uh so
1: so political so sn- the the there's good news for now right. but the magic eight yes. ball says the future is cloudy uh, is, is
3: what
2: this sounds like. <laughs> yeah,
3: try again later. <laughs> yeah. Try again later. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I was... We, yeah, the, the whole neon thing came up and I may have said some words that my mother would not have approved of loud enough mm. uh, that my wife may have suggested that I tone it down. Um, but the... Uh, the uh, Yeah, it's, it's really crazy, right? Because it seems like demand is easing. The fact... Let me say it again. The fact that you can actually go out and buy a card without spending hours hunting yeah. is great, right? And, that is and fantastic. And honestly, these,
1: these prices are painful, but they're not as painful as some of those eBay prices, would, which was the only way you could even get a card uh, sure. for a while. So, yes. so if you're like stuck and you have to have it and it's like, I'll just spend the money, well, uh, wow! You can actually do that if you're you're trying to spend a reasonable amount of money. And eh, not quite there yet for all the cards. We're not That's there yet,
3: but like. yeah, we're closer. And you know, it's like I said, it's been really interesting. Like I don't know where all these twenty sixties and sixteen sixties are coming from, but you know, somebody must have found a bunch of stuff in in a warehouse somewhere and is cutting it loose. So um um yeah, I would say wait as long as you can dot 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 up until the point where prices start creeping up. And uh, you know, I I don't know how helpful that is for everybody, but you know, it's a it's nice to see. Like if you if you've been desperate for a GPU and just getting really ticked off because you haven't been able to buy one, well, you should be able to buy one right now. Yeah, you may not be and, happy uh, about the price, uh, but mm-hmm.
1: it's like gas. <laughs> I know, uh, I know, and, and you. all I'm going to steal your line here because nowinstock.net is always the the place to go to yes. to shop around as as well. And we'll have that link in the show notes as well.
3: Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's good. Like, it, it's really, you know, if you have a micro center near you, they have cards in stock, but you're going to have to go into the store. Uh, some of the prices on Amazon are good. Some of the prices on Amazon look like they haven't heard the news about the eBay prices coming down. And eBay is always a crapshoot. You may get a fantastic deal if, if somebody screws up and ends an auction at 3 in the morning on a Wednesday.
1: Well, so Amazon's you know? almost as bad as eBay on, on stuff with resellers these days. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Well, let's move on to something that I think we can all agree on, that quadcopters are cool. Yes, sure. But, but quadcopters also are sometimes loud. They hurt me, And yes. one objection is noise, especially when it comes to quadcopters delivering things, you know, because the drone delivery future we were all promised. But how is it really going to play the out?
1: Idea. I love the idea of drone delivery, Sarah. But if I'm getting my meal at night— Are my neighbors going to be okay with that? It's kind of, you know.
2: Well, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's like outside of normal standard working hours, people don't expect (laughs) to hear leaf blowers and they don't expect to hear quadcopters either. Exactly,
3: Leaf blowers descending from the sky. Basically airborne Airborne leaf blowers. That's what a
1: quadcopter is.
2: My worst nightmare. Well, Cena reports that NASA's innovative advanced concepts may have found and funded a solution. MIT aerospace engineering professor Stephen Barrett and the MIT Electric Airface Initiative have been working on a silent, solid-state drone. The aircraft uses a series of electrodes beneath the wings to create a high-voltage field. This accelerates nitrogen molecules in the air, which then propels the plane. It's small- might be best for vertical takeoff and landing in urban areas. You know, you know, where you don't have a whole lot of uh, a wiggle room as far as taking off and landing. Perfect for package deliveries. We've been waiting for this for quite some time. But the folks in urban areas really are the ones that have to think about how this is going to work out. The most, of course, NASA is interested in it for Mars and uh, space exploration in general. But the fewer moving parts, the fewer things to go wrong. But we would like silent burritos delivered to us at 9 p.m. Everybody. I mean, let's be <laughs> honest. This yeah, is yeah. a thing. Yeah, NASA wants your Mars. We, all we want. want silent burritos. Yeah, yeah. I I want the burrito. I mean, it won't be silent while I'm eating it. <laughs> but it will be silent when it uh, when it lands in my backyard Barrett's team will receive one hundred seventy five thousand dollars in phase one of NIAC funds to develop the technology over a nine month period and then they'll work on improving efficiency. Also, flying time and do some outdoor tests to make sure that the proof of concept indeed works.
1: Yeah, because this this thing can't fly for very long. Hence, urban areas, right? You, you're not going to be going over rural distances, uh, and they've only tested it inside where the air is calm. So they they need to get you get it to fly outside yeah. where you got, you know wind <laughs> gusts.
2: Let's talk an ice storm, everybody, yeah, and yeah. then let's see how this goes. So
1: so lots of things to work out, but uh, silent, silent drones uh it 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 could get over one of the objections to drone deliveries um perhaps maybe not the only one but it's some cool technology and cool science anyway
2: i mean listen noise pollution is something that uh is already an issue and Mm -hmm. depending on where you live uh it it could it can be uh pretty restrictive as far as your happiness goes so yeah i think this is really cool all right let's check out the mailbag Let's do it. Jerry asked, I'm just wondering why you're changing the format of GDI, DTNS, meaning that the times and kind of how we're formatting it. Jerry says, I kind of like GDI as pre and post show for DTNS as it is now.
1: Yeah, if you only get Daily Tech News Show, uh, you may not realize that a change is coming and no change is coming to Daily Tech News Show. What's happening is our live stream is going to start 15 minutes earlier, starting on Monday, and then... When we do that, we are also going to start the show with DTNS. So we'll start the live stream with the GDI theme song. We'll say hi to everybody, but we're going to go right into Daily Tech News Show to start. The idea behind that is we've done a survey on this for years, and there's a split in the audience. Some people like the way it is, mostly because that's always been the way it is. But a lot of people are like, yeah, I don't listen to GDI because I want to just get into the Daily Tech News show, and I don't always have Mm -hmm. time for everything else. If we start with Daily Tech News show on Good Day Internet, that means you can choose when you want more, but the days when you don't have time, once you get to the end of the 30-minute show, you can bounce out and maybe save the rest for later. But you've got the most essential stuff at the top. It's classic journalism. Tell them the most important stuff first. Uh, So that's why we're switching it.
2: I mean, not to say GDI fodder is not important, but yes, uh, we also have had folks say, you know, sometimes on GDI before the show, you say you're going to talk about something after the show, but then you don't because, Mm -hmm, you know, there's been a whole show in between. So I think this, this is kind of helping our brains stay the most focused possible, we think.
1: And if you've ever been like, you know what, I don't need to get good day internet from Patreon because I just want DTNS. Well, now it's, you can. You can just go get it from Patreon and, and you'll get it right off the top every time. So if that's been an objection to you supporting us on Patreon, well, that objection has been removed.
2: Well, as always, your feedback is appreciated. Feedback at DailyTechNewsShow.com is where you can send us thoughts on format changes or anything that we talk about on the show and, you know, strength and numbers. Uh, Thank you in advance. Speaking of Patreon, I also wanted to extend a special thanks to Justin Zellers. Justin is one of our top lifetime supporters for DTNS. So, Justin, today is your day.
1: Woo, Justin. Thank you, Justin. Justin.
2: For out with us. Justin. Justin. We
1: still need 11 patrons to bring us back up to the level of February. Our, our March level is 11 below February. Just see.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, make March madness work for you. Uh, also, thanks to Patrick Norton for being with us today and bringing the knowledge on GPUs and everything else. Uh, Patrick, let folks know where they can keep up with your work.
3: As always, uh, just follow me on Twitter at Patrick Dorton or hang out with Roger, Roger, Robert Heron and I, not Roger Chang and I. Um, No one wants to hear Roger Chang and I whine. (laughs) Uh, But Robert Heron and I. I think plenty
2: of people would.
3: That would be a podcast. The Dadcast. I'm digressing and I'm supposed to do this in like 10 seconds.
2: AVXL.com or just search AVXL. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Never mind, Patrick.
1: A- I've cut him off it off right out. at the tease, too. avxl.com. Sorry, Pat.
2: Uh, we're going to keep reminding y'all because we know we're going to have a few questions about it, so we'll just keep hammering in. We are changing our format starting Monday, March 14th, and this has to do with daylight savings time starting in the U.S. on Sunday, March 13th. We will be live starting Monday, March 14th, uh, 4 p.m. Eastern. That's 2000 UTC. Find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. If you have any questions, let us know. Hopefully you get it. Now, tomorrow, science correspondent Nikki Ackermans has the monthly science highlights. That'll be a fun thing. And we'll be back on Monday. Have a great weekend, everyone.
1: This week's episodes of Daily Tech News Show were created by the following people. Host, producer, and writer, Tom Merritt. Host producer and writer Sarah Lane. Executive producer and booker Roger Chang. Producer, writer and host Rich Strafalino. Video producer and twitch producer Joe Kuntz, Associate producer Anthony Limos. Spanish language host, writer and producer Dan Campos. News host writer and producer Jen Cutter. Science correspondent Dr. Nikki Ackermans. Social media producer and moderator, Zoe Deterding. Our mods, Beatmaster, W. Scottis One, BioCow, Captain Kipper, Steve Guadarama, Paul Reese, Matthew J. Steve. And JD Galloway. Modern video hosting by Dan Christensen. Video feed by Sean Way. Music and art provided by Martin Bell, Dan Luders, Mustafa A., Acast, and Len Peralta. Live art performed by Len Peralta. Acast ad support from Trace Gainer. Patreon support from Dylan Harari. Contributors to this week's show included Nika Monfort, Terence Gaines, Justin Robert Young, and Patrick Norton. And our guest this week was Jennifer Briney. And thanks to all our patrons who make the show possible.